Hello, everyone, and welcome to Optimal Bio's Town Hall Meeting. First, let me just suggest that the Facebook, with the quality that you're getting right now, is a little less than we had hoped for because of a technical problem with Facebook. But we are recording this, and we'll get the audio back up for you. In the meantime, I hope that you'll join us. And if you'd like to weigh in via a comment or Uh, You can do so on Facebook or a question for the doctor because this is going to be another one of those opportunities, I think, to empower ourselves as as we learn. And in the studio with us today is Dr. Greg Brannan. He's the medical director and, of course, owner of Optimal Bio. As always, doctor, it's great to see you. Thank you, Bill. Tyler Brannan is with us, the CEO of Optimal Bio. Good to see you. Good to see you. And Jim Baker, who is a partner but also a patient here at Optimal Bio. And Jim, always good to see you as well. Thank you all for joining us today. Thanks, Bill. Uh, let's start with something that um, I think uh, is probably on everybody's mind because there was a Senate hearing just the other day and Dr. Fossey was asked about a vaccine. And I think a lot of people are standing by waiting for this vaccine to come through. So can you tell us a little bit about a vaccine? Just what is it? What, what What's its goal? And how do you produce one? Yeah, the goal of a vaccine is to somehow give a little bit of the foreign protein to initiate your uh, your innate immune system to become an acquired immune system to when it sees the big virus or the big bacteria or the big foreign protein to amount a response to attack it and beat it. That's the theory behind it. Um, but my concern is what are the things you can do now, quote unquote, where you're waiting for the vaccine? But I wanna go over how vaccines time. It takes three to five years to make a vaccine usually, okay? Also, of all vaccines fail in trial. So sitting to wait for a vaccine to be the cure for this is something I don't wanna sit back and wait when there are things you can do now to help your immune system defend itself against multiple viruses. Also, since since COVID-19 is a SARS virus, a coronavirus that happened in SARS in 2002, there have been 12 vaccines made already but all of, them have not, have, all of them have failed in trials. So again, to say that we have an opportunity to have a virus within a, a vaccine by September, October, November, makes no sense scientifically. So give an example of the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine, they gotta predict what viruses, the A's, the B's, in the next year's season's gonna be. They've never got that correct. So they're guessing in advance what's gonna happen there. And even at their best data, they say between 35 and 50% of the vaccine does work that season. So I don't want people to put their hat on one thing, waiting for one thing, that vaccine to be the cure-all, end-all, be-all, when vitamin D, vitamin C, sleep, nutrition, exercise, uh, keeping your immune system strong with bioidentical hormones can actually be done today. Well, I think that's what's important, isn't it? Because vaccines, we have a goal, a vaccine is to eliminate that disease will we'll not get it and obviously you've clearly pointed out that this is going to take some time and even then it may not be successful so how do i empower myself how do i or our viewers on facebook and patients here what can we do to be healthier and maybe begin to live life again i think what's pretty cool about this is going back that not just doctors but i'm telling you doctors now are going back studying their immunology okay doctors now are going back and studying the biochemistry of how our immune systems work with t cells and b cells but what's so cool out there with the internet with so so much knowledge out there the layperson, quote unquote can get the vocabulary and get the science there about how the immune system works then we can look at data what we have on how our body works with why does vitamin c seem to work in certain things why does 
vitamin D work in certain things. And again, for COVID right now, there's a thing called the cytokine storm where they're giving patients high dose of vitamin C and zinc to stop that autoimmune response to attack your lungs. So I think it's an opportunity now to look back at how our body actually functions, the immune system, and give what our immune system needs to actually function properly. Great, quick question, sorry, Bill. Quick question, back to vaccines real quick. Um, there's obviously multiple pneumonia vaccines that are out there. and. I just happened to be on the CDC website the other day and uh, looked at their chart, and they have basically a, a table that the first column is COVID-only deaths since January 1st in the U.S. Second column is pneumonia deaths since January 1st. Third column is pneumonia with COVID. The fourth column is uh, general flu, influenza. Okay. And then the last column is influenza, uh, pneumonia, and COVID all wrapped up in a one. Right. And as of May uh, 11th, the death count for COVID only was approximately 40, um, 47,000 people. Where? In the U.S. Okay. that had died from COVID. And the CDC has a disclaimer saying that they've been very liberal in how they count COVID deaths. Right. So I don't want to go down that hole at this point in time, but... The next column though, pneumonia only, no COVID, is 20,000 people higher that have died from pneumonia only. So back to the vaccine, we've had, I've always, every time I go to the doctor, they say, have you gotten your pneumonia vaccine this year and your flu vaccine? Why isn't the vaccine effective in pneumonia? And obviously pneumonia, so far according to the CDC, not me or anybody else, but the CDC, it's killed more people than COVID has this year. Yeah, there's a lot of debates on do the vaccines actually, when you say prove it, there's, there's two types of cell, there's two types of immune system, the cell mediated and the human response. Human response is the antibodies. We assume the vaccine works if you get an antibody response, but there are human beings born called agomoglobinemia that has no antibodies. If they get chickenpox or measles, spontaneously, no vaccine, just acquired in the community, they get immune. So it's a much more complex thing than just the antibodies. So I'm not convinced that the data shows that, that the rate is is higher, is, you know, less infection rate with the vaccine. Because you talk about the pneumococcal, if we all get the vaccine, why there's more deaths from it? Because obviously it is not a, a completely acquired uh, immunity. I'll give you an example. We know if you, got, you and I got chickenpox as a kid, we are now immune for life. If you get the shot, the generation came after us, they're getting the shot, they have to get a booster every 10 years. So the antibodies are not there longer. Bill, I don't have, I mean, Jim, I don't have an answer for you why that is there, but the COVID thing is very interesting when you talk about that is there are less deaths from that. So, But if you're saying, let's use the pneumococcal vaccine as an example, it is not superior to getting the, getting the, the uh, viral infection yourself because you're, you're then immune for life. But obviously we're talking about COVID and, and vaccines today, but should we move? From a health standpoint, should should our listeners and our and just the people in general, me and Tyler and other people, should we be more concerned about the flu and pneumonia uh, as opposed to just thinking about COVID? Yes, there's actually a paper that came out last, yesterday that says quarantine this long, um, healthy people quarantine this long, there there may be a, about a one to two million more deaths of tuberculosis, which spreads in a containment area. There's things we're not looking at long-term. Remember, this is the first time in the history of the world where we're in an experiment where the, the, um, the healthy is being quarantined. But you're right, so what do you do for pneumonia? What do you do for the cold? 
you wash your hands. You uh, make sure you keep your body immune system well with vitamin C, vitamin D, and sleep. Sleep is when your body regenerates itself. I don't see why we made Corona something special when you look at what we've done for years, every flu season. That's when people get there, wash your hands, make sure if your grandma's sick, avoid them. So it doesn't make sense to me why this is overboard on that part. And especially when you talk about the 47,000, Jim, you look at the actual data, like in Italy, they only tested 12% of the people, yet, as you said, and with symptoms, they called them a COVID death. So why are they being liberal with the count? That makes no sense to me. And then we're, we're, and I'm gonna go over another thing. This is, a, this is an RNA virus. There's never been a corona, there's never been an RNA vaccine ever made. And they wanna use what's called DNA sequencing, which they're gonna take a piece of DNA that they're gonna inject into our body that will bind to our DNA to make a protein that will, it's called the ACE inhibitor receptor site, block that. So they're gonna use our own DNA machinery to make a protein to block the infection of the corona. That's never been done, let alone in 10 months, ever. I have a question. Doesn't the virus continually mutate? How do you create a vaccine for a virus that's continually mutating? That's the problem with the flu vaccine. It actually mutates within the vial when it's on the shelf before it gets placed again. Um, I gave an example. Today, we know from the data from the World Health Organization, 80% of the polio in the world has been proven to become from vaccinated people who are shedding it, not wild, not wild polio. So when you talk about the mutation part, that's what makes our immune system so amazing. When, it, it, when we get the infection, this is unique with corona though, we'll go over that in a second, but usually when you get an infection, a viral infection, you get a, you get a, your innate system becomes an acquired system where now you, know, you can recognize it and beat it. But what happens is what, why these epidemics go away is because viruses seem to mutate to a less virulent time, a less virulent size. We're not sure about this one in the sense, not the virulence part about it, but do you get immunity for life? And we're, we're not convinced of that. That's why the common cold comes back, but it's not, it's not lethal unless you're 90 years old with CPOD and obese and out of shape and you know, lung problems. Well, that brings up another question because there's been a debate actually between uh, the, the World Health Organization and the uh, CDC about the use of masks. One says, oh, not good. The other says, yes, do it. What's the, what's the story on What do you think, Jim? What do you think, Todd? Do you guys read anything about that or do we go down that path? I've read about it. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, but a lot of people are, are, are using the mask. It's important to know if, if it's going to help, right? Right. The things I've read, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it's actually saying there's, um, it doesn't help and it actually can make you sick. Um, because it's especially people that have um, gut issues already because you're breathing in your own bacteria that needs to get out. So I... In addition, you're reducing your blood pulse ox level so there's less oxygen in your blood. And as a result then, your body becomes inflamed if you have a mask on for a long period of time. And if you are have comorbidity or if you have the virus, you know, then... It, it, it makes your body a lot more difficult to fight yourself, fight against the virus because your immunity levels are going down because the inflammation is going up in your body. Sounds like a ventilation I mean, problem. I mean, think about it. You're not even supposed to sleep with a pillow over your head. And you sleep for six to eight hours, hopefully, well, let alone keeping a mask on all day. Yeah. I'm going to quote Dr. Russell Blaylock, one of the most famous uh, neurosurgeons in America. Simply, He's also a functional medicine doctor, trained at LSU. He wrote a great paper yesterday, uh, on the 11th concerning this. Jim hit the point. When you have yourself covered, you decrease your oxygen intake. You also increase your carbon dioxide staying inside your body. That aside, he talked about the inflammation part. 
But there's four ways we excrete poison out of our body. Stool, urine, sweat, and breathing. That's how you get rid of poisons. You get rid of these bad viruses. You get rid of these bad bacteria. So when you cover that up, when you decrease your oxygen, the studies have shown the N20, the N95 mask decreases oxygen levels in the body 20%. You can pass out, can't you? The loss of consciousness. That's the high CO2. That's when people hyperventilate. Wow. That's what's happening. So I have to talk about the gut issue. We don't get rid of these bacteria, these viruses, and our immune system now is not operating optimally. I can get all nerdy on this, but they're called the CD4 plus cells and the T cells. They actually are inhibited by low oxygen. When you have those inhibited, you have the thing called Treg cells, which increase, and therefore you cannot have a response to these viruses or bacteria. Um, we've never, ever, ever worn masks on healthy people, and for this long of time. So the answer is the literature shows just the opposite with this let alone the physics that coronavirus, in a vacuum, yes, a feather and a, and, a, and a lead ball fall at the same rate. We don't live in a vacuum. So the thing that floats. So the problem is we're not getting, we're making our body weaker. Jim asked the beginning, you asked the beginning, what should we be doing right now? Sleep, eat, exercise, and replenish the supplements you need in your body. Testosterone, estrogen, the progesterones on the hormone side, the vitamin D, the vitamin C, the, the uh, nucleotides that are very important for our, our immune system. So. To, to move on, obviously we talked about the vaccines, we talked about masks a little bit as well, and um, when we first did our first broadcast uh, almost a month ago, got a lot of questions around diabetes, um, kidney functions, um, and basically other uh, autoimmunes that some of our listeners may have uh, been concerned with. And so I thought we could maybe pivot you know, into um, you know some of those areas. Uh, maybe address you know some of the questions that uh, uh, we had from from our previous listeners. Uh, and then again, today I think is all about you know taking control of ourselves um, and what we can do to help ourselves from a health perspective. Which I think, if you're strong from a health perspective, then you're going to be better at work. You're going to be better at life. You're going to be better at loving. Yep. You're going to be better at a lot of stuff. And I think that if we're you know, based on what Dr. Brandon said earlier, you know, there's a lot of people out there that I think, you know, want to lay low because they think the vaccine is going to be the end all and be all. And, you know, not to be against vaccines, but I'm hoping that at some point in time we can eradicate everything. But I think in reality, that's still a long way away. So then taking control of ourselves going forward, what can we do? So if we have some people that are diabetic, we have some people that have other autoimmunes, um, Let's go down that road at this point in time and uh, you know, listen to what you have to say about it. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, let me go over that. The way these epidemics do go away is when we have herd immunity. You do not get herd immunity from a vaccine. You get herd immunity from naturally acquired viruses. Explain how that works. Okay, herd immunity is when you get, the healthy people get it, they acquire their antibodies and their immune system, the T cells work properly, so therefore they actually are the ones that, that now can resist. And that, and that helps protect the, the sicker in the environment, okay? But you can't get that with a shot, only a natural acquired. Now, now that being said, with us being quarantined, the flat in the curve decreases the herd immunity because we're not out in the community. Now, you talked about pivoting to, to these uh, metabolic diseases. The number one environmental toxin that causes cancer is smoking. Number two is obesity. Mm. Okay, two things you can control, right? That's true. Yep. Lungs, and again, the worst person to wear a mask are those elderly people who have COPD, who've had lung cancer, who have emphysema. 
They're the worst ones to have. But they're the ones that are. Okay. But again, that's why it's important to look at what, what you can do. So these environmental factors is, now I understand quitting smoking is physiological and psychological. I understand that. So is eating. But when you look at things that we know that we can Bottom line is Jim talked about discipline is equals freedom. You know, we talked about that a few shows ago. Is you got to understand why food's making us heavy. Not, we're not because we're too lazy. We're not because we're not exercising. The f- quality of food we're doing is is too high in sugar. A great paper came out out of Columbia showing that sugar, sugar, which means glucose and fructose bound together actually causes colon cancer cells to grow properly because the fructose increases the glucose to actually make the cell itself mutate. That all being said, that's in our food, that's in our diet. So we gotta do is get rid of the inflammatory stuff that causes that, sugar. Um, Testosterone itself actually helps insulin resistance improve. It burns fat, it gets rid of inflammation. That's why the optimal hormone levels are crucialness as well as tied together with the vitamin D and vitamin C. Everything we talk about, affects three processes. These three processes are what, doesn't matter if it's arthritis, doesn't matter if it's cancer, doesn't matter if it's Alzheimer's or atherosclerosis. These are the three final mechanisms that cause cell damage. Free radicals called oxidative uh, oxidative stress. Two is the immune response over responding, not controlled. And number three is vascular injury, leaky gut, Alzheimer's, atherosclerosis. So let's do things that inhibit those. Well, Jim brought up diabetes. Why don't we start there? Because, uh, again, with this virus, those who have underlying health conditions are, are really being impacted much worse than, than the rest of us. So with diabetes, I don't know a lot about it. It's a word that we hear an awful lot of, but uh, I know there are different types. Okay. Would you start with the basics? Yeah, there, there are, we have, in our pancreas, we have these cells called uh, beta cells and alpha cells. Alpha cells make glucon, which actually makes your body increase sugar, and insulin actually decreases sugar, okay? They work together. And they're mad at the pancreas, which is a, an organ right near the, bo- the beginning of the small intestines. Now, what happens is, so there are some kids, they call it type one or juvenile diabetes, which they have no beta cells. Therefore, they make no insulin. They, night, insulin to them is life-saving. Type two diabetes is where you make too much insulin. The sad part is the treatment is the same. Give him insulin. That can't be done. Jason Fung, he trained at UCLA. He's a nephrologist, world famous in Toronto. He's written a couple books, Obesity Code and Diabetes Code, that goes through the mechanism. Great books, not a high-tech science book, but great, great books, showing that we have to do is restrict the sugar because what happens in diabetes, type two. Type two, it's not that you you, you have too much, that you could be insulin resistance. Insulin does two functions in your body. It pushes sugar, glucose into a cell, and it pushes fat into a cell. But if the cell takes too much glucose, it will die. So the cell says, I'm done taking glucose. Mm -hmm. So the glucose now stays in the bloodstream and it binds to other proteins. People have heard of hemoglobin A1C. What that does, it distorts the structure of that. It doesn't stop its other function, pushing fat into a cell. And the worst fat is the visceral fat in the pancreas first, liver second, and the intestines. That causes, as Jim talked about, inflammation. Inflammation that happens, then your immune system cannot work properly. That's why diabetes is more of a metabolic syndrome, not just one thing. But how you can decrease that is by decreasing your sugar intake. 
Okay, so you're talking diet as well as um, supplements. Well, why, why is there such a surge? Is it because as a society we are overweight, we're not eating properly? Why does it seem that diabetes seems to be way up there? Yeah, what what about you, Tyler or Jim? Yeah, I would say our food sources. So um, the processed food has changed so much since, you know, you know, our parents to me now. Um, even just when I'm looking back at when I was in high school to, to now the high schoolers now, it's a totally different um, body shape, and it's all directly tied to our food sources. And so I, that causes diabetes. It causes insulin resistance. Um, and that is why I think um, people are having, you know, there's more cases of diabetes and at such a young age. I mean, the obesity levels in children, it's astonishing. It's actually, it's so sad. And it's all tied directly to our food. Um, you can't outwork out a bad diet and it all goes back to your food. The worst is liquid sugar, pops, juices, the things that are organic. Because what happens is the time, the time it goes from your mouth to your colon is sped up. You get fructose in an apple in a broccoli, in a carrot, the fructose never gets that. It's fructose is the damaging one. Hmm. That's one the one that enhances the complications of the glucose molecule. So when you're standing in line and you're getting the Big Mac and then you get the Diet uh, Coke or whatever it is, you're actually hurting yourself. Well, the Diet Coke's interesting. There's no sugar in there, but the problem is the, the fake sugars are actually petroleum byproducts and they actually, actually wipe the brain out, but they actually make your body, they're 600 times more sweet than regular sugar, so you actually, then you then you you take a bunch of it thinking it's okay, but that's where it affects the liver again. It's called non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome is because of these, these um, hmm. fake sugars. Isn't uh, drinking diet soda also trick the body where the body feels hungrier more often, therefore you're actually overcompensating? You may be saving liquid calories, but then you're eating regular calories, you're eating more and you're taking more sweets in, sugars and things like that, and candy and everything else. And at the end of the day, that. you become overweight and obese. Yeah, your wow. body, you, there have been multiple papers on that. There's a great book by Dr. McCullough called, um, called Sweet Deception, talks about the science of that. But we, we, when I was in school, we had a thing called non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome. We had no idea what it was. Now we know it has to do with what you talked about, these, these people take these artificial sugars, so your body thinks it's starving when it's, it is, because these are hollow, there's no calories there, but they're, they gotta get the, they fill it with other carbohydrates. And there's also fructose itself, again, which is extremely poisonous to our body. Uh, in, in the liquid form, I can't stress the difference. An apple is different than a Coke. It just, it just let it sink in. Apple, apple juice is different than an apple. Yeah. The speed in which it goes through your gut has huge change. And Dr. Le uh, Dr. Um, Catley at Columbia talked about this again, and he's doing a huge study on all these mouse studies on colon rectal cancers because of that. And um, has to do, it appears, there's a thing called the Warburg effect that Dr. Safefield in Boston College is the same study now. All the studies coming together now that cancer may be a metabolic disease, metabolic disease, that the oncogenes are kicked on by the virus and things like that. But the first thing that happens is that the high sugar kills the mitochondria and the mitochondria's function so the body's more prone to these viruses turning on these genes. So you walk through the doors here and you become a patient at Optimal Bio. How do you treat this? I mean, what are some of the things you would recommend to people who might have diabetes listening right now that you could do for them that would make a difference? Well, Jim, you know, Jim I met Jim through this coming to our office too. There's three things we do at Optimal Bio. There is, we talk about wellness, how to eat, how to work out, what to eat. I'm big on intermittent fasting. So we spend time, like Jim talked about, you gotta take control of this. This is your diet. This is how you're gonna live your life. Number two, we look at, 
I like to do it this way. You have two power sources in your body. You have, um, well, your RPM is when the car just idles. That's your thyroid, crucially important. T3 is in every single cell of the body. The power, the torque are the anabolic steroids, the testosterone, the estrogen, progesterone, and there's a balance of that. So we look at all that. We look at the individual. First off, we listen to them talk to us. Mm-hmm. And we try to see, because a lot of people do things they think they're healthy when they're not. Back to our food pyramid. I eat what the government says. The standard American diet, S. A D, sad. Tyler talked about this. Sixty-six percent of Americans are overweight. What's the highest risk factor for getting sick on COVID? Obesity. All right. So the problem was is our bodies used to eating fat and protein and some carbs, but to make a diet simply based upon carbohydrates has never been done in human history. We're the example of that. That passed in 1977. You can look back at the data and watch in high blood pressure, diabetes, atherosclerosis, Alzheimer's. In fact, Alzheimer's is called type three diabetes. Oh, back to the thing we talked about, the glucose changing the structure of these little fibrils in our brain. So I know I'm bombarding you with this stuff, but it is very simple. What can we do? And I always repeat the same five things. You have to learn to sleep. Turn the phone off, turn the TV off. Your brain, you have to turn the lights off. Your brain needs to sleep. You only put away the memories of the day when you're, in, when you're in REM sleep, period. You have to sleep. Your bo- Hippocratics, the first hospital he did, they didn't go there for medicine or food, they went there to sleep. Well, sometimes the old way is the best way. <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of that, two things. One, I'm curious because I wanted to test you on a couple of things, get your answers, and you have to answer. You can't defer and say nothing. <laughs> Are you better off having a can of Coke with sugar in it over a diet soda? They're both very bad. Yeah, no, but that's not what I asked. I, I can't. Just one, not 10, not 10 on each side, but just one. Uh, you, do this, you do the regular sugar. Okay. Um, sleep, you talk a lot about sleep. Is magnesium, something I think you, we sell here at Optimal Bio, is that a, something that potentially could help you know, with people being able to get to sleep faster at night? 100%, it's a relaxant. And why is that? What does it do? It's relaxing. It actually relaxes the blood vessels. It works synergistically with melatonin, which actually puts us to sleep. That we have this, this synergy. When you eat glucose, you have a waste product called adenosine, which makes ATP. And it's, how, it's just how the body works. In the daytime, your adenosine is low and it builds up over time. And the higher that builds up, the more tired you get. All right. Then when that gets so high, your melatonin kicks in, and then you go to sleep, that decreases, that, that goes out of your body and you sleep, and then when that gets to the sunlight, hits, when you, we believe when the sunlight hits your retina, turns off your melatonin. And that's how it's a cycle, so rid of, so rid of the rhythm. So back to sleep. You only put your memory away in REM cycle. You only recu- recoup your immune system when you're in deep sleep, and it's cyclical. And we wake up four times a night is actually an average. We wake up for a short time and go back to sleep. But it's the REM sleep, they're 90 minute cycles, which is the most important part you can do for your life. So what's the difference between magnesium, let's say, and the typical brand, branded sleeping pills that people take? Beautiful. Magnesium makes you relax and you can actually get a nice sleep, a deep sleep. The sleeping pills are sedators. They just make you, they, they sedate you. They don't but are you going you, in a REM during that? No, that's the problem, you know, REM sleep. That's why these things you wake up, any of these things, they're just pure and you become addicted to it because your brain needs it as inhibiting the neurotransmitters. I can't, there's some great books out there talking about how all this works together, but the circadian rhythm is crucial in how our body sleeps. What about uh, other supplements? I mean, you mentioned magnesium, but 
Melatonin for sleeping, uh, theanine, which is an amino acid, is for sleeping. But if you guys Google sleep hygiene, that's what I would do. I can't stress the phone. It destroys our brain. The blue light waves, that's why you need a yellow a yellow um, block, uh, blue light wave blocker on there when you have those things. But your body, we used to get tired when the sun went down. You fell asleep about eight, nine o'clock, you woke up when the sun came up. Mm-hmm. That's how our body's built. So anything we do not to do that throws us off. That's why people that, I'm an OBGYN, so I know about being, in fact, I haven't slept in 37 hours already this, today. But you can look at death rates. The shift nurses, the shift doctors that work night, your body's not made for that stuff because your body doesn't have time to rest. That rhythm is very important. Again, and then sleep is really, really important. Also, food. We have a question from sure. Facebook. Um, how do you feel about CBD oils slash supplement? I think they're fantastic. Uh, in the mid-90s, they found the endocarbonate system in your body. And what they have in, in the CBD... CBD is a component of hemp. Hemp has three major components. CBD, and right now we studied about 70 different ones, terpenes and flavonoids. I like the hemp oil better because it has all of them synergistically. But we're scratching the surface on what they do. We know that CBD one and two receptors are on baby's placentas. I mean, these are really, there's a, these are in, in, when the endo means your body makes them. So this does this enhance. The biggest thing they do is they're anti-inflammatory and they're relaxing. One of the things, and this is just from a personal standpoint, but I know this is something within my family. I don't know if it's with yours, but getting to sleep is a tough thing to do, it seems nowadays. I don't know if it's stress or lifestyle or what it might be, but a lot of people struggle with that. Is this really that simple? Uh, It's not simple to do in our chaotic world. How many people don't have the the TV on before you go to bed, don't have your phone on? Um, It's just because there's a biochemical reaction that your body's being tricked to stay up. All right. Well, the uh, Corona. Yes. Quick ahead, question sure. on CBD again, because I know there's a lot of. Uh, it was very hot last year. It's like the 2019, you know, miracle supplement, right. and it seems like it's died down a little bit. Um, but with that said, I know it's been very effective for some people. Um, is it safe with taking magnesium, for example, taking D, taking C? Can you still take your other supplements and still have CBD in your system as without, well? Without a doubt, because again, it's an anti-inflammatory. We're in a different process. Um, you know, we talk about all these trace minerals in our body, Jim, like magnesium has over 400 as that, uh, enzyme functions, it does. zinc has 200. These used to be iodine, it's, it's the eighth most common trace mineral, mineral, mineral in the world and our body can't live without it. But our food source, our, our topsoil used to have all this in there. The problem is we're not having that anymore because, because the way our topsoil has been eroded. So taking, I, again, we use the word supplementation, I still like the word nutraceuticals, because again, to go from A to B, you need zinc. It's not optional. It's just A can get to B without zinc, but it does it sometimes, sometimes not as well. To be optimal, you need to have those, those cofactors there. That's why it's, and again, C is, is, is used in hundreds of functions in our body, and yet we're the only mammals that don't make C. You gotta take C. I'm not saying, there are people who say there's poo poo Linus Paul in studies. But over time, it's a pure, look at look for coronavirus right now. Right. The, the the cytokinic storm. What's the what's the choice? Vitamin C every six hours via IV is saving lives. Okay, so it's very important to understand how, how these supplementations are crucial for our body. It is interesting how this has kind of bubbled to the top now, where some of the experts are now talking specifically about the things you've been talking about for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I mean 
Oh, Sorry. Even last week, it was like the big thing is take vitamin D. It helps to prevent COVID or it helps you heal. It's like, yes, we've been to, like, this is known. Yeah. So why is it now just surfacing? Well, now probably more than ever because you're sheltering at home, right? Instead of out in the sun. Right. I, I think Jim hit this on the very beginning. The fear can make you catatonic or take action. So his, his whole question today is what can we do? If we're waiting for a vaccine to cure it, what are the odds of a vaccine making it? We already know, 93% fail. So if we're waiting for that, and all we're doing is waiting for that, you'd miss an opportunity to learn about what sleep really is, to learn about what good food really is, to learn about supplementation, what there really is, balance your hormones, take advantage of this time to become, you talked before we started the show, knowledge is power. And I said, I don't agree, Bill. Taking action with the knowledge is power. And that's why it's important to, to gain that material, gain that knowledge. Quit. Again, I'm a doctor, and we're trained in, in, in I'm an OBGYN by training at the beginning, but we're trained myoptically. My practice changed, my OB practice, on my diabetic side of my practice, when I learned about the food pyramid not being correct. When I started studying the standard American diet, I had women talking about diabetes who were diabetic with pregnancy. I taught them how to eat the next baby. Nope, they passed the sugar test. So that's why it's, there's not just, you know, we're not talking, you know, quacks out there, or whatever. No, food, Hippocrates, yeah, food is medicine. Let's just find out how and why it works. Biochemistry doesn't change. But I like what Jim talked about at the very beginning. Let's take advantage of this time. Let's not stay in that cave and say we're worried about waiting for something that may not occur. It is a great opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, and we have another question actually that came in, and uh, this one centers around sleep. So question was it seemed like in the old days if you slept 10 to 12 hours you would consider lazy and you know you might be a little soft maybe you gained a little weight and what have you uh, but it seems like you're saying that uh, you know getting sleep is good obviously up to a point mm-hmm. but does sleep lead to obesity or can it help you lose weight you lose weight you actually kill you can actually clean your toxins if it's a good sleep a baby sleeps about 18 hours uh, a child around 10 hours, an adult seven plus or minus, about eight hours, seven, eight hours. It's five REM cycles is what it is. And you get less sleep as you age because um, you make actually less melatonin as you age, right? Mm. So that's why it's there. But your body bears hibernate, okay? They actually heal during that time. Sleep is when your body puts itself to rest. It just takes care of the breathing, the heart pumping, and lets the body do its work. So sleep is crucial. But if you sleep 10 hours and you're still tired, you're not sleeping properly. You're waking up. That's why there's sleep studies. And uh, sleep apnea, people say, well, I have sleep apnea. That only makes up 25% of sleep disturbances. There's 75 more reasons why you have people sleep disturbances. Is that the symptom then? If you know you're not sleeping well, it's because you're, you're tired. You're fatigued? Yeah, waking up without an alarm is the best sign in the world. Beautiful. Yeah. So again, there's some great books out there. Uh, Security and uh, Cycles, a great book out of San Diego. It's just, again, I want people to take care, take advantage of this time to get there and read everybody's different. In fact, Fauci said in, I think, 2008, 2007, he said, during viral season, take vitamin C and vitamin D. I wish he'd bring that up again now. Mm-hmm. You know, Rand Paul asked him about that to send a hearing a couple days ago. I think it's important just to look at the whole thing. It's not just one, it's just not one thing. It can't be one thing. The example, vitamin D affects 1,000 genes of the 23,000 genes in our body. So what would you recommend to folks? And I know health is foremost on their minds. They're, well, many are frightened. You're in your house, you're, you're really not living your normal lifestyle. And many have underlying conditions, whether it's obesity or diabetes or COPD. What should be their first step? 
What was yours, Jim? Well, I think, uh, you know, just today's topic is part of it's about liquid calories as well. Right. And, you know, what's been successful, I think, for me is just simply starting slowly, right? You know, maybe starting some exercise by walking, getting out in the sunlight, breathing the fresh air, um, examining your diet. And, you know, maybe not worry so much about food, but worry more about what you're actually drinking during the day. You know, are you, a friend of mine, for example, uh, he come home from work, now he goes from his living room to his couch at night, but he's drinking six to eight beers a night. Mm. And he's not getting drunk. It's just part of his DNA, it's part of his, his, his makeup now. It just becomes a habit. And, you know, fast forward, you know, a couple of years of doing this, and, you know, he's 225 pounds, and he's got a frame that should probably be around 170 to 180 pounds. Did you start off with small goals? I mean, how did it, for you, and maybe it'll help other people who are watching or listening. I want to make a change in my life, mm-hmm. but to have too big of a goal, you probably will. Not, it's not going to work. How did you do it? Yeah, you just got to start slow. Real slow. So, taking my friend for example, um, you know, he just said, you know what, I'm only going to have five beers a night. Right. You well, know, that's a start. and then next year, next week, I'm going down to four, uh-huh. and then three. Then suddenly, he's having one, and it's five weeks later, and his body's used to it, his mind's used to it, and he no longer realizes he needs it. In my case, I love sweet tea, mm-hmm. right? So, but I realized I had a little extra weight on me. This is a long time ago, probably 10 years ago. And I said, you know what? I need to start drinking half and half. And then I went to unsweet only. Now I can't stand sweet tea. So your body will adjust, but you must do it slowly. You cannot build Rome in a day. It takes a long time. And just an overcharger for tea. <laughs> now Tyler, you're, you are really big on uh, physical fitness and the change. That you know, and I know when I I wanted to lose weight and I got on a better diet, I felt so much better. Now it's, sometimes it's hard to stay on that diet, but you're you're a big proponent of you're going to feel better. Yeah, you are going to feel better. I mean, the science says it. Your friend says it. You're saying it. You're going to say it if you start eating better. And Jim's talking about the end of the day, you know, that wine or that beer. But I'll start at the beginning of the day. I love coffee, and I've always drank black coffee. Um, which I know you got to start small, but so it's just when you're in line at Starbucks, the average drink probably has 300 calories straight sugar, so that you're starting the day with sugar. Your blood sugar goes up, then it's going to go down. You're going to be hungry. You're going to go eat a muff. It's just a bad cycle. So start small. You know, drink coffee with coconut milk or a little bit of cream if you you know if you have dairy. But I would say just when you're at Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, you're making your own coffee really think about what you're putting it in and initially just don't put sugar in you know put a little milk put a little creamer um but don't put sugar in that's a great point about the morning i was in starbucks three months ago pre-lockdown pre-stay at home and there was a person in front of me that was getting two frappuccinos with the whip and the whole works and i'm thinking oh my god they're going to be consuming (laughs) 500 calories in one drink and where your day even starts. And, and, right. And, and sugar calories. And of course, the drink is probably six bucks to yeah. boot. Yeah. So, you know, you're going broke just buying a drink that's actually killing you, you know, at that point in time. And, uh, uh, I, and you know, in the old days, too, when I first started working after getting out of college, brand muffins were the thing, right? Well, they were loaded with oils and, and, you know, fake sugars and everything else. So, you know, people were walking around with a Frappuccino with whip and they have the brand muffin, think they're going to be healthy. Reality, they're just blowing out a thousand calories 
just to start the day. And then you throw on your snacks, you throw on your lunch, you throw on your dinner on top of that, and maybe a snack before you go to bed. You're popping 2,500 to 3,000 calories, and a lot of it's liquid, yep. uh, and a lot of it's disguised as healthy food. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, you're suddenly looking up, and oh my God, I've gained 30 pounds over the course of the last three years. And then that just compounds. It's like interest. It just compounds over time. And then, for unfortunately for some people, it's just too late to come back. And to build off of that, I don't think we realize how much we're eating in the day because we're like, oh, I barely ate today, or. So I think, you know, a good way to start, start tracking your food, like my fitness pal, some type of app, just so you can kind of start realizing how much you're eating, what you're eating, and it can kind of help you go on the right track and, you know, stop eating certain things. You're like, oh, wait, I eat that more than I thought. And the most important part is when you eat. Because um, there's zero papers, zero studies to show the classical three meals a day with three snacks, none. Doesn't matter how little or how much you eat, when you eat, you have insulin. Insulin is the culprit. High insulin is what causes the inflammation, the immune system, the oncogene, it's high insulin. So the problem is, is if you can condense when you eat, and then within the hours you eat, say a 10 hour window you eat, or, or, or you know, 100 years ago we ate three meals a day, Greg, what are you talking about? They ate at five in the morning, they ate at 11 o'clock, they're done at five, Right. okay? They didn't do this thing that Tim talked about, all these liquid dyes, all these things. He brought that story up, it was very interesting. When I moved to North Carolina, I was, I used to, I was teaching, and they had uh, these things I'd never heard of called Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh. One a day's okay. Maybe two a day now. <laughs> I went from 150 pounds to 180 pounds. I was like, what is Real this? quick, right? And actually, a little story, in 2010, I was diabetic. And that time, I was doing triathlons and CrossFit, but I had huge amounts of... Oatmeal. Instant oatmeal, not to sprout it. Instant oatmeal, fruit smoothies every morning. And I got bigger and bigger. And it's like, my doc, as last time I went to a doctor, he said, you're diabetic, you're screwed. And I, read, I started studying this stuff. I got rid of oatmeal. I lost 32 pounds in six weeks just by stopping the morning sugar load. There's more sugar in a bowl of oatmeal than two ripper floats. That's unbelievable, you know, and, and this is this is a, a great opportunity because most people are very fearful right now, and they're thinking about health, and you're making it sound like, you know, unlike what we've been hearing, which is pretty scary, there's things you could be doing right now to not only make you healthy during this, uh, this virus and future viruses, but just overall be happier. I, I'm with you. I, I just think when there's things happening, there's always an opportunity. And Jim talked about this way back, at the beginning he talked about it again, he said, you know, we're doing this for our life, our family, our love, our hope. This is, our only game is this. It's not golf or lifting weights or CrossFit or yoga. That's all part of the ultimate game. And the ultimate game that you want to win in is longevity with quality. And they can go together. I mean, you know, God will start your heart and stop your heart when that happens. But between now and then, our responsibility is to take care of it. If I kept eating Krispy Kreme donuts and Jim's friend keeps on drinking the six-pack every night, we're not going to make it when Jim's in the gym every day eating properly. Uh, we're not going to meet what he's doing. Now, there's a genetic role, no doubt about it. More importantly, what we're learning a ton is the epigenetics. It's not what the genes say. It's what the things on top of them turn on and turn off. And that's our food. That's our sleep. That's our exercise. That's stress. Doc, quick questions, a couple quick quiz questions before you before we head out here. Uh, trying to lose weight, uh, have a eight ounce glass of orange juice in the morning with uh, an apple and some oatmeal, compared to 
two eggs and two slices of bacon, what am I better off doing? Okay, two eggs, two bacon is zero carbs, zero. Your apple and your juice, and what was the other one? Oatmeal. Oatmeal. Your favorite so that, food. So, so orange juice is around 60 carbs. Your oatmeal is about 80. There's 150, 60. You got about 200 grams of carbs. You should eat 35 to 50 grams of carbs a day if you're a man. A woman something a little bit more. And you just triple, you just quadruple that your day. That was me in my morning. I loved my orange juice. So the answer is no. I believe if you do intermittent fasting, I like the phrase time-restricted feeding better. I would skip a meal, and the meal I like to skip is breakfast, because I already got eight hours of sleep in. Right. I get to 12, I got my 12, 14 hours of that. There are some people that recommend, especially this book, Circadian Rhythm, talks about sleeping, eat a breakfast, don't eat a dinner. But the bottom line is have at least 14 hours of no food. 14 hours of no food eliminates zero insulin. Right, and that's a topic for another broadcast. It is. However, one more question for you. You're at the State Fair, and you have a choice to eat one of those world-class North Carolina sausages or get a fried Twinkie. What are you better off eating? I'm eating a sausage in a heartbeat. All right, guys, stay away from the fried Twinkies. <laughs> what a depressing way to end. No fried <laughs> Twinkies today. Well, thank you as always. Uh, and uh, I, I think there's a lot of hope you take away from this and kind of kind of exciting to go out and challenge it. For those of you who've been in, locked indoors and wanting to be healthier, this is a great way to go. And uh, we'll go ahead and get this up on the podcast so that you have a good quality sound. But we appreciate you joining us today on, on Facebook, and uh, we'll be back again to do more of this. And to Dr. Brandon, Tyler Brandon, and Jim Baker, thank you so much for being here, guys. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Bill.